You're listening to The Running Public. From marathoners to mud runners, we all have the same goal. Get to the finish line faster. That's right. This podcast is for you guys, The Running Public. I was telling Kirk I did a I did six by mile on Monday. And it was my first road work. It was my first non-trail or tra- incline treadmill work in months. And then yesterday I did a, a high rocks workout and I felt good for one round, felt crappy for one round and utterly imploded in the very beginning of the third round. Like when it tipped, I tipped fast and I knew I was coming around on short recovery off Monday because usually I'm a two quality a week, a person and I'm doing like three to four right now. It's a cram session, but I tipped fast. <sighs> Dude, mile repeats in any capacity are like super hard. That's what I'm saying. Anything sustained over five minutes at an effort like that, I think you had some damage in your legs and it was just, it was game over. Do you know if you want to feel better, Bracken? I bailed on my Wednesday workout. I'm taking a complete reset the rest of this week. Like I am, I have tipped over the line. I'm a broken, broken man that is useless right now. And it came to a head Wednesday. And I've decided to listen to my body. So as bad as yours went, mine went worse, I bet you. That's interesting. I got a message from Jared Price yesterday that said, I'm to the point now where I'm waking up, starting a workout, thinking there's two weeks till Big Bear. How am I even going to make it there? I can't wait to rest after the race. A lot of people are arriving to that end of training block, trying to hold it together. I can't wait for the taper, the deload to start. James, you there? As far as your taper goes, or as far as your training, because I know you alluded that you were still going to go big on Big Bear here. Are you in that overreaching phase right now, or are you still fresh? I'm in kind of like a weird space, if I'm being honest, because uh, I don't know if you guys saw, like, I moved back to Nevada, so training has been really sporadic and really weird, um, and I'm actually feeling really springy and good, so I'm I'm kind of excited about Big Bear. I don't, I don't know if the fitness is there, but... Uh, you know, I just, I feel excited to race for the first time in a while. So I'm just stoked to be feeling that. <laughs> Sounds nice. It's, it feels good. Before we get into everything, my brother and I hit that one fall. We, we had spent a long time in color, our first stint in Colorado. Eventually it wears on you. You never fully recover your first block of altitude training because you just don't sleep well. And but we did a lot of work and then we came back home and we started running races. And because of races, we got into this pattern where we'd race a podunk race on Saturday, recover Sunday, Monday, hit a speed workout Tuesday, dog it Wednesday, Thursday, pre-race Friday race again. We did that for like three or four weeks, just running three times a week, sporadic stuff and started popping fitness all of a sudden. It's like altitude and that volume caught up. As soon as we thought we weren't training hard anymore, all that fitness kind of revealed itself yeah and that's kind of what i'm finding i'm like you know i I spent almost like six and a half seven months in colorado and so that whole time i did not feel fit at all i was like man i am falling off and then i've just been like out here on all my local trails and you know popping prs or being like super close to my best times when i'm out on like easy runs and it it's got me fired up are you worried about uh, losing your acclimation at the perfectly wrong time for Big Bear at all? I mean, I've thought about it, 
Um, yeah, that's actually something like I was kind of wondering. Not so, no, 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 I don't, I don't mind the question at all. Um, I was actually out like running last yesterday and I was just like, I got done. I was like, huh, this feels really good. I was like, what if this doesn't feel like this, uh, you know, in big bear, I was like, what am I gonna, what am I gonna do? Or like, what if I just don't like, what if I don't feel as poppy or what if this starts going away? And the thing I just kind of like told myself was like, you know, don't, don't stress about it. Cause that'll only make it worse. It'll be what it'll be. So, I mean, I guess I'm not worrying too much. Yeah. What, what, um, if I guess I'm curious, I didn't, I didn't really know that you moved to Colorado until I saw that you were doing things in Colorado with VJ and the, and the like, and then obviously I didn't know you moved back either. So like why the move out and why the move back? If you don't mind me asking. Oh gosh. So many different things. Um, one, uh, I've always talked about going to Colorado and I wanted to explore the idea. Like I just wanted to see, can I make this work? What's Colorado like? Um, and I was, I was working a job that I just wasn't super happy with. And I thought I need a big change. So I literally, um, gosh, it was like two weeks after, uh, OCR worlds last year. I just, I put my two weeks in, uh, packed up my stuff and, uh, literally just drove out there and said, we're going to see if this is going to work. Cause like in that, at that time, the only thing I wanted to be was an athlete. I wanted to be like, yeah, I want to go, you know, achieve like VJ's level of, uh, like OCR stardom. And then, um, being a, an adult living out of the house and stuff was a little bit, uh, harder than uh, I initially thought. And then, um, just kind of had like some family stuff, uh, going on as well as some personal stuff and Colorado really wasn't, uh, wasn't doing it for me. Like all the stressors on top of stressors. I was just like, I need to get somewhere. It's a little more stable. So sorry for going off on like a long explanation, but I feel like that kind of covers it. We've had much longer. That that should be our show notes, long tangents and descriptions. <laughs> that's, that's all we want here. Okay. So, so you're, how old are you, James? By the way, are you, are you 21? How old are you? I'm not even 21 yet. You're 20. Yes, sir. And so you like the first time venturing away from like the parents or whatever house that hold and going off on your own, this was all recent. That was their first time kind of striking out doing your, your own thing, so to speak. Exactly. This was the first time, like, this is me going out and relying on myself to pay my bills, to go grocery shopping all the time for myself, to to really have no one to like, you know, I couldn't say, hey, can you pick this up at the store? Or can you help me out with this chore or whatever? It's like, all right, dude, everything's on you. You make sure you get to work on time. You make sure you get to bed by by this certain time so you can wake up and go to work and, and all that, all that super fun adult stuff. Um, and so it was a little bit of a wake up call in terms of, uh, like, I thought it would be a lot easier. I thought, you know, I would just have a job, like be able to get work super easy and everything would be like, I don't know, uh, just not as hard as it ended up being. It's like man learning to manage your time and everything got, uh, really, I don't know. I don't want to say difficult, but overwhelming. Yeah. Add in the, uh, the goal of trying to be a pro athlete. And those two, yeah. learning yourself as a young adult and trying to pursue a professional goal at the same time, that's going to leave you tired all the time too. That's not like a super <laughs> easy route to take. Yeah. it's um, Well, you bring up an interesting point about the whole idea of like learning who you are, trying to be an athlete. And like, I think that's where I've got a little bit of some interesting insight for uh, a lot of people 
because for me, I became an athlete before I figured out like, who is James Nair? You know what I mean? Like, um, I guess I would say athleticism and racing became my identity a lot quicker before I could even figure out like, what are the traits and attributes that just make up like the fiber of my being? And, um, I think that actually like turned into a pretty dark rabbit hole, at least for me. And, um, I just kind of like today, one of the things I wanted to talk about with, to like, talk to, you know, other young athletes and just kind of put out there is like learning yourself first and not putting like pressure on yourself to perform and stuff, I think is super like integral for uh, a lot of uh, athletes and like, and and just figuring out like making sure you're comfortable with who you are before, um, before you're like putting everything into one identity. I don't know. It's not a crazy good, uh, concise explanation but that's the best way i can put it because i'm still trying to wrap my head around it all well yeah if if you feel like you don't have a lot of arrows in the james nair quiver like pillars of who you are then then your perceived self-worth hangs on your athletic performance and if you aren't performing to your standard or crossing the finish line first then you probably it's very easy to view your life currently as a failure if your only identity is that and that has to be i'm I'm putting a lot of words in your mouth but that has to be like a hard hard thing to to go through if if you don't have other things that can fill your cup so to speak is there any truth to any of that you hit the nail on the head exactly like that is how i have felt because so growing up um you know, we moved around a lot when I was a kid. Uh, my parents are teachers. And so we actually spent some time uh, living internationally. Um, we lived in the country of Latvia for two years. And then we spent a year in Abu Dhabi uh, of all places. And I know it's everybody, everybody knows where Abu Dhabi is now, thanks to Spartan World Champs. So I'm like, cool, people know where I'm actually talking about. Um, so they tried their hand at international teaching. And Super cool, really cool to get that experience and worldly insight. But one of the things that I think was, um, I wouldn't call it detrimental, but changed uh, how I like interacted with people is when you move around a lot, you don't have a center of friends, you don't get involved in team sports and stuff. So up until like sixth grade, I was just a very like, I was just a very introverted, isolated kid, you know, it was like me and the family and like, I just because you're moving around and it's, you know, you don't want to make friends because you know, you're going to leave in a year or two and all that kind of stuff. It's like, Oh man, don't get too attached. That ended up being like, Oh, I'm a very lonely, isolated kid. And then when I got into athletics in like sixth, seventh grade, started doing uh, track and field, all of a sudden it was like, Oh, you're kind of fast. And people like liked that. And for the first time I was like, Oh, people like the fact that I'm good at something. So if I'm good at something, people will like me. If I'm not good at it, they won't like me. And then that became a dark spiral for like setting up the rest of how uh, I went about my life. This is why rewinding two weeks, this is why Kirk and I broke form from what we usually do and actually said your name on a pon- on a podcast without you having asked a question, which we almost never do. But like he... We're we're not old yet, but we're we're towards the grizzled end, you know, the grizzled vet end of the spectrum. And most of the people that we deal with in this sport went through their 
their trials and tribulations in college. And they got done with college athletics or they got done with pursuing whatever they were doing, whether it was mountain biking or or uh, CrossFit or soccer, whatever it was. They went through that, like those, that gauntlet and they had their quitting point. Almost everyone in the sport quit something or gave something up, even if they didn't quit it. Kirk and I, we gave up running at some point in our life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we look at Bailey or we look at Morgan or we look at Callie and they stopped a sport because they couldn't handle some portion of it. And then they refound themselves afterwards. But what we saw from the outside is it felt like you were young enough to have not gone through the full gauntlet yet. And so when you're in it, it feels like, like you, this is as far as you can see. You've got the blinder onto here, but everything under it is your whole world. And then it crashes and you give up. But we left a sport and found another or refound the sport. And we just felt like it was a little too soon. Like this was, this is the natural progression of sport. You get these opportunities, you get big dreams with them. And unless you're the rare one in a billion exception, your dreams get shattered very quickly, <laughs> very quickly. But it's not the end of the dream. It's the end of part one of the dream, and then you get back to work. So when we read your post of, you know, I'm done with this. I'm not going to pursue this in the same capacity anymore. It just felt like, all right, we've been through that. We know everyone who's been through it. And it's time for you just to realize that this isn't end of book. It's end of chapter. And, and I think that that's the important part for the younger audience right now in particular, which is if you haven't faced your gauntlet, understanding that you're in the moment when you're in it is really difficult. And sometimes you do have to lean on someone who's been through it to say, it feels like X, but this is really B. Like you're, you're early on, you just don't know it yet. And that's a tough spot to be in. I agree completely. And that was one of the things I kind of feel like maybe my post was a, a little, maybe not as specific as it, it should have been. And uh, it spurred a lot of conversation and a lot of thought, both like just me with myself, a lot of people that I consider to be mentors or friends and heck, like you guys reaching out, which is exactly what I needed to hear. Um, so thank you for that. Uh, that was like, I was listening to that podcast and uh, it, it definitely it hit home just like you guys break in form and saying, hey, like, don't like, like you said, don't get lost with the blinders. Um, and so with that is... I think part of the thing that like got me lost and you kind of, you said like, unless you're the one in a million, you're going to have failures and you're going to have trials and tribulations. One of the things that I guess um, I'm not going to say set me up for failure, but set some, uh, some standards for myself was also. So a couple weeks ago, uh, Jack Bauer put out the, you know, he's the OCR stats guy. And so he put out this thing about um, who the youngest podium finishers and stuff uh, were. So, I very early on in my Spartan career uh, became the youngest podium finisher, which I'm like, cool statistic, awesome, whatever. But from that point forward, and I'm not blaming anybody in particular, I'm not blaming the culture, but I, I, from that point forward, whenever I'd show up to races, whenever uh, I talk with people, everything was, when are you going to, you know, when are you going to beat BJ? When are you going to uh, take a first? Are, are you here to do damage? Are you here to like shake up the podium? And I think a lot of that unknowingly like ruined, or I wouldn't say ruined, but cast a shadow on my racing experience because every race I showed up to, 
people were, you know, I just wanted to race for the passion of it. That's why I got into this sport. You know, I was never particularly great at anything. And then I found OCR and I was like, hey, I'm kind of good at this. And then, you know, you nab a podium and everybody's cheering for you. Everybody's celebrating. And then it becomes, okay, take that next step. And, and I'm not saying that, like, we shouldn't push ourselves to do better. That's the whole reason I go out and do what I do every day. It's the whole reason you guys go out and do it. It's why everybody in the community does it. But then it became every interaction was predicated around the idea of when are you going to get better? When are you going to take that next step? And if I didn't have a great race, instead of just saying, hey, how do you feel or whatever it was, it was always, what happened? What happened? So many times I can recall people just asking what happened. It's like, hey, I'm just out here racing, man. Like it's, it's not to say every race is going to be a podium. I mean, I've got other aspects to my life and stuff, but then those other aspects got eliminated because I got tired of hearing what happened. I was just like, I wanted to go out there and be like, and again, pursue the professional thing. So people would stop asking me like, why was your race performance bad? And just because I got used to the idea of people hyping me up. So then, you know, popped a couple more podiums and, and again, on those days, people are just like, Oh, I'm so happy for you. I'm so proud of you. And then, but again, maybe the next day you don't, you know, if you're racing both days or the next race week and whatever, if you don't get on that podium, all of a sudden people don't interact with you the same. And, and that's the, I mean, everybody wants to be around, you know, those top three guys at a race, but at the same time, I'm like, this community is very, uh, we preach a lot about, you know, we're here for our friends. This is such a friendly community and stuff. And I'm like, okay, awesome. So let's make that the experience. So even when your friends maybe don't do as well as they maybe have the potential to or wanted to do, let's still hype them up regardless. And I don't know how you guys feel about that. And I might ruffle some feathers with that statement, but I think it needs to be talked about. No, I, I'll tell you what, I've heard uh, what's happened a few times this uh, season already. I don't enjoy hearing what happened myself and not probably to the extent that you have. Um, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves really quick because I think like a lot of our listeners don't really know what we're talking about probably yet. Um, yeah. So I was, I was wondering, James, if you'd be comfortable if I read your post. So most of so our listeners understand why we, why we're having this conversation or would you rather not? No, please read it. I would, Again, a lot of people don't know all my background stuff and I and yeah. uh, everything we're talking about. And I would like people to know, like, this is kind of my bear all. I'm going to bear some dirty laundry. People are going to get to know who James Nair is, not just, you know, not just this kid that races, but you're going to get to know me in this podcast. And I'm so, yeah, please read. Okay, I will. And just to set that up, like, Bracken, I don't know if you feel this way. And again, I've only been around since 2016 and really only started to know the sport since 2017, which James is probably as early as you got in. But mm -hmm. I had seen you coming up. You were always n mentioned as a statistic as one of the best young OCR racers in the sport. Um, and honestly, looking at you just like physically, like you went from like a boy to a man in the last like two or three years. <laughs> like, I don't know what happened to you, but like there's expectations. <laughs> he turned to 19 and 20. <laughs> it's just like testosterone is through the roof. But yes, and sir. so like. I think with that physical transformation, like I, you posted one day and I was looking at you as a little kid, to be honest with you. This is like two years ago or a year ago. And you made a post. I was like, Jesus Christ. Like what happened to that kid? He's like, I won't want to get in a bar fight with this dude. Like suddenly anyways, you changed physically pretty dramatically. And I think people's expectations changed also along with that saying like this guy is yes. transformed. 
And you were proud of that transformation as you should have been. And so I just think that goes along with the weight of this all for you, from my perspective, because it would for me for sure. But um, I just wanted to set that up a little bit. So, so I'll read your post now, if that's cool. Yeah, absolutely. Please do. Please do. Which was what? Two, two weeks ago, maybe. Um, all right. So it's a photo uh, yeah, of like you about, like about two weeks ago, two weeks. So it's a photo of you running away, like away from the camera on a mountain trail. It's a nice shot. It says, uh, running into the next part of my life. Racing is not everything. Training is not everything. There's far more to life. And for a long time, I've neglected these other things. Family and future are the two most prominent things I've neglected and am now focusing on. Many have questioned me about how I'm going to maintain high level performance, how I'm going to maintain chasing being a pro, dot, dot, dot. Here's the answer. I'm not. I'm done chasing being a top level OCR competitor. I'll still dabble in races when it's convenient. I'll still maintain a high level of fitness, but I'm moving on from this part of my life. I simply don't enjoy prioritizing race performance at the detriment to other activities I love. I want to be reckless while snowboarding and stay up late with friends, to be there for family gatherings and to invest in a future that will surround me with people and experiences I love. Solely prioritizing racing is a lonely, mundane existence, and I am finished with it. There is more to this life than just Spartan Race. There is more than just athletics, and I hope that everyone reading this knows that. Big Bear will be my last big race for the year. I might jump in a couple of the races, but only if it doesn't interfere with the other parts of my life. I truly value the friendships I've made in this sport that have been authentic, and I will always be grateful for those. Much value had been brought to my life through this sport, but again, it doesn't define who I am anymore, and I'm excited to carve out a future filled with much more. Period. Indeed. Yeah, weighty post, right? There's kind mm -hmm. of cryptic, kind of, there, there's, a, there's a lot of questions, right? It's well written. Thank you. I appreciate that. I, I do pride myself on my writing, which is one of the things I do hope to uh, actually expand upon uh, going forward uh, in my life. Just like, and if again, if you guys have any thoughts, uh, go ahead and put them out now, any questions. And then um, if not, I want to kind of uh, take that post and elaborate or jump on some things. Well, you mentioned your parents were teachers. And yes. as I've talked about a lot on here, I was a teacher and I taught at the high school level. And in, in this, this post to me reminded me a lot of what you see with people transitioning from high school to college or college to the professional life, which is that the younger you are or the less time you've spent in one field, the farther your pendulum swings when you react to a situation. And so I understood mm -hmm. everything you wrote there because I've gone through that in this sport and in other sports myself. So I felt every one of them, but I also felt how time dulled each one of my reactions. Like when you're, when you're 15 and someone says, Hey, that girl thinks you're cute. And you're like, Oh my God, I think I'm in love with her. And then you like two days later, she's like, I don't want to go on a date with you. And you're like, man, forget you. I hate you. It swings from one extreme to the other. And then when you're 20, you'll go on a few dates before you decide if you like them or not. But then by like the fifth or sixth date, it's like, look, if it's not going anywhere, it's not going anywhere. And then you see like someone who's divorced and dating, they'll, they'll spend months getting to know. So our reactions to situations, that pendulum swing where we overreact and then it has to balance back out, it eventually settles back down. That's just a normal process. And that's how I felt reading your post. I felt like, oh, I, I identify with that. But he swung farther than he's going to want to have swung in a few months. <laughs> and then I, I get that, and that's the right reaction. And I get that, but, ooh, that 
his response was right. It just swung like a notch or two farther. Like I, I didn't want to see something done that's going to take months to undo. The definitive statements of I am done with that and I won't do this. And I, I just felt it was like me writing that at a previous stage of my athletic career. So your post really, like you and I have not interacted. How many times have we spoken? In no, I don't life? think we've even, I think I've maybe like nodded to you at the beginning of a race or something, but we've never actually yeah. had a direct dialogue. So this is actually really cool. <laughs> I'm really stoked on it. And yet, as you wrote it, I felt like, man, James and I, without knowing it at this moment, we really know it, each other. Even if we don't, this thing we, we connect on because I could have written this post at three different points. You know, when I, when I quit college running as a freshman, which would have been 19 and a half, you know, almost the same age as you, I quit running and I went to try baseball. I would have written that exact same post about running. It's not worth it. It's not worth not being able to party with my friends. It's not worth having a a 1.7 GPA. It's not worth looking like an emaciated scarecrow. It's just not worth it. I just will never do that again. And then I would have written that again at, what would that have been? 30? A year into quitting my job and going all in on trying to be a pro endurance athlete, and suddenly races were too weighty. Paychecks mattered. It was all, it was my only way to support. I would have written that same post after six straight races where I got worse and worse in six straight races, and then quick signed up for another one to try to make up for the paycheck I didn't cash. So I could have, I could have wrote that exact same sentence. And so it just, maybe that's why I want everyone to hear it because I, wanted everyone to hear me say it the first time, but I didn't know how to say it correctly. So I think that between all of this, we can get it out in a, like without our overreaction or an underreaction so that everyone else who goes through this at some point will understand how far should I swing my pendulum when I run into this situation. And not to jump on your back bracket and then James, you're going to have all the floor will definitely be yours. Um, and not to take away from your and James special connection bracket. <laughs> Uh, that you guys have, um, but but I felt I felt similar to to that as well while reading it, and I think most anybody who has perspective, like some life tenure to them, felt connected to that post because they understood. Like I would say that was a very like uh, more of like an old soul perspective in the sense where like you were looking at things that I didn't take a look at until I was in my late twenties, early thirties prioritizing other things, meaning more than just what's in front of my face or what is only fulfilling to me. Like, I think there was like some age to that post. And, and so being uh, older and having that perspective, um, I think you could just like, it's like you walked yourself through different things you were saying and be like, ah, when I I felt like this uh, at a certain point, the way James is saying it. And I think a lot of people probably had that. Um, so you guys' uh, thing isn't special. Um, and, <laughs> um, I'm feeling left out. And then I, before you elaborate on the post, um, I wanted to know why. Like why – I ask this, this question to athletes of mine. I ask it to clients. I say, why now? And they say, what do you mean? I say, why did you reach out now? Why didn't you reach out two years ago or two months ago or two years from now or two months from now? Why did you decide to – what brought it to a boiling point is what I'm sort of asking before you elaborate or explain more. Yeah. What, what was the catalyst to sit down and push post on that, on all of that sentiment? Cause you knew like, obviously that was going to be um, noticed. 
Yeah, and there's a lot of catalysts, I would say. So there's nothing in specific. Without going into too much de- detail out of like respect for, you know, like, so let me start over so I give a clear, concise thought. Um, many catalysts, many things. Um, one, I just had some family stuff going on. My dad was having some health stuff go on. And it, anytime like you see a family member struggling, you realize my struggles pale in comparison and uh it makes you it kind of puts your priorities in line in terms of it makes you think about you know like again if you have a family member that's dealing with health stuff you go gosh i i wish i'd spent more i was spending more quality time i wish you know like i thought about all the times i'd gone out and for training runs or was gone on race weekends and stuff and wasn't hanging out with my dad and stuff. And, and he's doing better just for everybody asking. I'm not going to go into detail about, about it just out of respect for him. Cause he's not here on the podcast and I want to respect his privacy. Um, he's doing much better, but uh, there's some that know. Um, but if that started to really uh, bring some things into uh, perspective for me in terms of um just thinking about what is actually valuable to me. Um, and I realized time with family is uh, very important. Um, also putting too much pressure on myself. So uh, in San Luis Obispo, I was arguably in some of the best shape I've ever been in. Like the intervals I was running um, beforehand were just really fast for me and I felt really good. Um, I felt really healthy and I crumbled so hard during that race. And the, throughout basically uh kind of like you guys were talking about is like from the first race of this year which was a trail race and then going forward my performances only declined and i just kept declining and kept declining and i and i just kind of like had this aha moment at the end of san luis bispo i was like i've been prioritizing only racing i haven't been prioritizing anything else that fulfills like my soul and i thought back to when i was having my better race performances and i was just doing more stuff that i liked and you know if a training session got compromised or whatever i didn't worry about it whereas now like i said if i had a bad race bad training session that weighed so heavy on my shoulders so uh really those two things and then just i guess i'm at that that age where like you said you're kind of making in this transition period and I started to think about my future. And a lot of people had been asking me like, where is, what's next for you? Like, let's say you get done with your OCR career. What do you have? Like, wh- what's your plan to keep you stable? And I realized I didn't have much of anything. I mean, I haven't gone to college. I haven't, I have no uh, college experience whatsoever. I've, um, I just have my high school diploma. And uh, I was a personal trainer for a time. So I guess you could consider that some form of continued education, but uh, I didn't really set myself up to uh, have any kind of financial stability uh, going forward. So those three things, dad's health, um, getting to that age where I wanted some stability and declining race performances, all made me realize just changing your location, just changing your atmosphere, isn't going to change the things that are like, Uh, going on inside you or in your personal life. And so it was kind of like, okay, we have to take some hard looks at who we are, what we're doing, all that kind of stuff. Um, So I think it was just kind of like a maturing thing almost. Like it's just kind of a perfect storm of life experiences uh, adding up and um, a couple catalysts to uh, uh, push it forward. Yeah. Hearing you talk after reading your post, 
hearing hearing that explanation combined with Kirk reading that post, it really drives home to me that I feel like everything's correct. It, again, back to the teaching thing, it reminds me when a teacher looks at someone's math problem, and I'm the worst person to talk about this, but <laughs> <laughs> because of my mathematical acumen, but they have they come up with an answer that you don't agree with. But you say, walk me through your thought process. And they walk you through the first column. And you say, all right, that I agree 100% with that. And then the second column, I agree with that too. Third column, all right, you've done everything right. Fourth column, it all looks good. You just pulled the wrong final number out. And that's and, and I don't want to say, I don't want to judge your decision, but that's how this whole conversation felt to me as an outsider, which was you made potentially the wrong statement or decision but for every single correct reason. Your priorities were correct. Your thinking was correct. You have it all in order, but the answer was just shifted one deviation to the side. It was just very definitive. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and I think, and that's good. It's it, And it means that, like, it's the difference between someone getting the exact same decision point or a mathematical answer with no process right and all the process right. Those are not the same answers. Even if they're the same answer on paper, it is not the same. One is much yeah. weightier because you're so right. There just requires that one last little switch to be flipped before you realize, okay, I got it. And and the, and I guess my response I wanted to say to all this isn't that you're wrong, but like, show me an example at the top of someone who prioritizes all those things, and I'll show you someone who's a world champion. And like Hobie and Cody raised five or six kids and were world champions. Ryan Atkins is utterly reckless with his body and he's a world champion. John Albin has everything in moderation and he's a world champion. um, We had Claude Gabou. Is that how you say her last name? Uh, She was an Olympian and then backed away to help start a business with her husband. And she's a world champion. You have Amelia Boone, who's a full-time lawyer, and she's a world champion. You have Lindsay Webster, who's utterly reckless with her life and was setting things in place, like physically utterly reckless with skiing, uh, all of her rock climbing and you have Aaron Newell who's reckless with his life and he's a high level athlete. So all the pieces that you aspired to are the correct things to aspire to, but there's examples of people who found their way of doing it. And that was the piece that I was just hoping you weren't going to write off because at 20, your athletic prime still might be a decade away, which means you have 10 years to get it right life-wise as well. And that's kind of what I wanted to hear you talk about was what is your so then? All right, I got I got this reaction. So then how do I accomplish my, like you, you listed five or six pillars that are important to you. Is there a way of accomplishing those and being a monster athlete? I think so. And and like you said, it's kind of a, my initial knee-jerk reaction, you know, the pendulum swing going uh, way too far in one direction is like, first off, I, I chalked it up to my youth because again, I'm, I'm only 20, right? It's, and so it makes, mm-hmm. uh, again, very uh, quick decision. Um, but yes, I do believe it's attainable. And so how I intend to attain that is first off, I'm going to, um, I'm going to go to college uh, the current trajectory, uh, is I like, I'm signed up for classes at, uh, uh, Western Nevada community college. Um, 
and my goal is to actually uh get into fire so uh, i want to be i want to become a fireman so um because i like i've talked to a couple different people um you know mr ryland shadig has been uh, a pretty big mentor in kind of helping mm. me find some direction with that um him and i've been uh chatting quite a bit um i'm just really grateful for all his insight and he's like hey this is a really cool career it's very rewarding um you know it helps you be financially stable um and there's flexibility in the job so i'm going to be going to college um getting some of my prerequisite classes out of the way takes the fire sciences uh emt classes and then eventually applying to the academy uh and then from there uh find a department to work in um and i know a lot of people in our community and in other varying communities who are in fire that have said hey we'll help you out and with all that i understand now after again after kind of making my bold statement about being done i'm like i can still maintain high level fitness and in fact i'm going to be in a, a field that's going to reward being you know a pretty monster athlete you know you're going to have to be strong because you know if you're running into a burning building and helping drag people out you you can't you can't crumble into the weight like things of that nature um so that's kind of how i intend to uh to make that uh a real like to still be a high level athlete um set myself up for a future and then just in that kind of being back in my community of people um and being around family more uh and whatnot i've I realized there's ways to just to make the time like um and again i think going to colorado was like just a way uh i think in a way it was running away from this realization because i think i i'd had this realization um subconsciously initially and i ran away from it instead of instead of tackling it head on i said i need to change location so i packed up my shit and i just i and i drove two states away and it didn't fix the problems uh or these kind of like these uh things that kind of i would say tormented me uh in terms of uh again not being around family not feeling like i had freedom just having to prioritize being an athlete i thought let's go put all our cards all our eggs in one basket so that there's no other option so i can't fail and guess what? I kind of failed at it. And that's okay. I'm not, I'm not mad about uh, failing at uh, living in Colorado. It's like, I've learned the most from my failures. So um, that's just kind of, that's at least my perspective on all that in that, in a very discombobulated way. <laughs> Do you guys remember VJ's start in the sport? Not specifically. Were you guys around when he started? Sort of. I, he started, he started what, like 14, 15? Well, at the 2013 Warrior Dash World Championship, he led for a quarter mile. He had 50 meters on the field, a field that included three Olympic trials athletes, an Olympian, uh, Hunter, Hobie, Cody, Chad Trammell, Ryan Woods, myself, John Yatsko, Ryan Atkins. I mean, it was the who's who of of OCR and of trail running and some, there were three track Olympic uh, trial steeplest in the race. And he was like 30 meters clear of second place, a quarter mile into the race. I don't know what place he took, but it wasn't even close. And he was in high school at the time. And then I remember him coming, he got signed to the, the Spartan pro team in probably 2014. 
and Joe D.I., Joe Stefano was the head of the pro team at the time, and he was really excited on this VJ kid because VJ was, at the time, I think, think the youngest to make a Spartan podium. So he signed him, and he brought him out to Seattle for his first pro team race and experience. And VJ, the first time I met him, was nervous to meet me. The last time really? I met him, I was nervous to run with him. We looked at each other beforehand. I think it was uh, Ryan Kent and I and said, that kid's going to get eaten alive tomorrow. He was so nervous. He was so awestruck by everyone there. He was so unsure of himself. You could read on his face. There's a giant blinking sign that says, I'm not ready for this. And he got smoked. And now he's what? How old is he? He's 23. 23. So he's the poster child for how to be successful young in OCR. And people say, I'm young. I'm going to be VJ. But what they forget is that his journey started at 15. And so he's eight years into it, and he, he spent the first four years getting kicked up and down the course by people who now, like myself, cannot touch him in a race, even if we had a perfect day and he had an off day. So VJ took his lumps, but he did it, and he was always vocal about, I'm not all a full-time OCR. I'm not a pro athlete. I'm just going to grind this out, and I'm going to be a world champ by the time I'm 21 or 22. He'd get into the sport and say, I'm not running a super distance for another year. I'm not running a beast distance for three years. And something about that dulled people's perceptions of how bad he'd failed along the way. So he's like this. He's, he's the icon for every young athlete to become, but they've, they've maybe not realized how much he struggled early on. And so it's, it's always interesting to be like, I'm just going to be like VJ. And the answer is, do you have eight years? to get your ass kicked for and to stay positive for eight years and not let it impact your sense of self and identity. And that's nearly impossible for most people unless they have outside assistance like he's had the entire time of mentors and guides and coaches who will keep you focused on what does this actually mean? What does six and a half months of failure at Colorado really mean? Is that even a full training? But, you know, like having these things in perspective, the VJ route is not the route that people remember it as. I agree. And, and that was something that kind of like became apparent because again, for most of my time in Colorado, I was living with VJ and I learned a lot from the dude. He's he's very wise for being 23. Um, Talked to me a lot about uh, some of those things about how it's like, Hey, it's not all like, sunshine and rainbows it's not super perfect uh right at the beginning um and he's like one of the paths to success is you know follow a natural progression of like you know 5k 10k half marathon so you know sprint super beast um and i think one of the things that i've wrestled with as an athlete is in ocr i've been kind of good at everything but not great at any one aspect to it and and it's because i like doing really crazy shit. Like I don't, uh, and it, so it's very hard for me to stick to that linear progression. So maybe I'm shooting myself in the foot here. And like, I realize that people listening might be going, well, if this dude can't focus on linear progression, then, uh, then that's his fault. And I totally acknowledge that. And I'm open to hearing that, but like I've podiumed in every distance. Um, and I like doing a lot of different stuff because my passion for sport didn't start with the idea of like, uh, of progression of distances. You know, I didn't have that initial discipline. It was just 
go out and do something, you know, it was like, you know, like I was like, okay, I'm going to go out and run three miles today. And then tomorrow I'll run four. And then I was like, eventually, you know, you're just out in the mountains plugging miles and loving doing it all and being kind of okay at it all. And so I think that also could have skewed my perspective because I, again, I've put him to be super and sprint. And I was like, well, where do I even try to specialize? Cause I like doing it all, which is a common theme in uh, OCR. I think a lot of us love to, we want to do it all. And um, that, and then very early, not having anybody either discouraging me from doing that or telling me, Hey, I understand you're not going to be able to be good at everything kind of led me to chase everything. Um, and that perhaps like kind of, made for a discombobulated start to trying to uh like attain a a level of professionalism in the sport yeah do you feel that living with vj as the example in his current uh ocr prowess obviously you're gonna you're gonna soak up a lot of good there um how could you not but overall do you think that um that there was any negative effects of that in a weird way. And then nothing of VJ's character. VJ's a, a great guy, but more like, like, yeah, you want to learn the way, but were you ready to be shown it? If that makes sense, I, I guess. Um, do you feel like there was any negatives or downsides to living with the champ or no? I think uh, actually that's a great question. And it's something that I've thought about a lot. And I would say, yeah, there were definitely some negatives to it. And like, and VJ, I know you listen. So buddy, I'm not like, I'm not, I don't hold any resentment or anything over it. Um, I love you, man. But the, uh, the downsides were seeing somebody at such a high level just makes you feel like you got to earn up to that. You're like every workout, everything you do, you kind of feel like, oh, is this something that the champ would do? Is this something the champ's going to approve of? And there's kind of like that, like, mm. and again, BG never put out that kind of pressure or energy, but I definitely, I chalked, I chalk it up to, I created that. And so, and again, uh, we traveled to a couple races together and stuff and, you know, everything just kind of appeared so effortless for him. And it felt so effortful for me that that in turn created a lot of stressors. So I would say, yeah, there were some, uh, some negatives to, um, living like that and also vj and i are very different athletes you know uh and vj has been very vocal about this he's not a crazy high volume guy um what i know about myself is i respond a little bit better to volume in high school i was running uh 55 60 mile weeks um i've gotten up as high as uh, 75 mile weeks before um and been okay with it my body's very good at handling volume and seeing how little VJ was doing respectively, like, you know, if I'm putting in a 60 mile week and then he's putting in a 35, 40 mile week and reaping greater benefits, it just makes you like stomp your feet in frustration. You're like, I'm doing everything and I'm not quite there yet. And again, it's cause I'm earlier in my athletic journey and I understand that, but it still doesn't dampen the frustration you feel of like, I'm trying so hard and it just doesn't feel like it's uh paying off um and i know that raises the question of are you doing too much i've been accused of being an overtrainer before um and i say accused because i know roughly where my sustainable volume is at i'd usually do two quality workouts per week i have a long run on the weekend so like i overall with and then some recovery runs in there overall that typically takes me about 55 to 60 miles a week i've been doing this forever um, and only recently because my performances started to decline because of the excess pressures I was putting on myself, everyone said, 
you're overtraining. And I'm like, if you go back and look at my Strava, if you go back and look at the data, I'm not overtraining. It's the fact that there are other stressors. And I'm very, I guess I have a chip on my shoulder about this because I don't like being told you're overtraining if I know I'm not. And I know there's other factors going on in my life. Um, and I guess like when people say you're overtraining, I'm like you're discounting what I have to say about some of the other stressors in my life. So sorry to be like all like pointing the finger there, but I feel like uh, that's an important distinction to make because I know my body um, and uh, I know uh, what I respond to. And that's that also was telling me like, okay, you typically used to be able to handle this volume and now all of a sudden you can't. So it's like, what's happening? It, it's probably a, a different kind of stressor. Yeah. I mean, there's overtraining, there's under recovering, and there's really no difference between the two other than overtraining is an accusation and under recovering is kind of a, like a, an olive branch saying my life stress is not allowing me to recover from my levels of work. So I need to drop it down a little bit. An athlete hearing that could say, okay, I can understand what you're saying. I may not agree with it, but I can understand. But an athlete being told you're overtraining is going to throw up the walls and run harder. You know, I can do this and I'll show you. Overtraining mm -hmm. is, it's it has a very negative connotation to it. But I don't remember, I thought it was Ryan Atkins. And if it was someone else, I'm sorry. We'll get your credit to you whenever you call me out on it. But made a post talking about do not discount life stress. That to your body, mm -hmm. if you have these like recovery credits in your body, your body spends them regardless of what the activity is. If it's a fight with your spouse, if it is work stress, if it's on your feet all day, or if it's an 11 hour mountain run, your body spends recovery credits uniformly. It's all the same to your body. And so that's where that under recovery piece is a real thing. Even if you're not overtraining, you might train your normal level. But people forget about you have to spend your recovery credits regardless of where that stress comes from. But it's easy for them to fling out that you're overtraining because it makes them feel good and it can kind of make you feel smart saying it. But that's it's never helpful to tell an athlete that. It's like telling someone with an eating disorder, you have an eating disorder. What is that going to do to their their psyche? You know, telling someone with with uh it doesn't, we can just stop there. But like whenever you have something going on, being told in a, I know more than you way is never helpful. I agree completely. And I actually, I have a lot to say on that because, um, again, obviously, uh, a lot like to set the standard is like, I'm a highly anxious person. So when people say things to me, I analyze them a lot. It's both a strength and a weakness. So first off, yeah, I totally agree with like, it's not so much that I was overtraining. It's perhaps that I was under recovering because of all the other life stressors. And so perhaps maybe I could have reaped more benefits from lower volume because of the other life stressors. But again, I admit walls go up when you tell me uh, you're overtraining or like when people tell me you can't do that, blah, 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 all those kinds of things. Uh, again, you become very defensive. And so like, I am definitely, I'm a very naturally defensive person, you know, on race mornings, I have a very, intense demeanor because I don't want people to understand how I'm feeling. I don't like, I put, I like to put up the blinders or put up the walls so that people don't uh, see in. And so I know it's kind of crazy. I'm here on a podcast bearing all for everyone to hear. And um, maybe this will create a better dynamic for me. But uh, I, again, I think these are important things to talk about. And I think the anxiety uh, piece through my career um, 
and not in like not talking about like the the mental health aspect of it all about again ha- having the pressures and stuff put on you are big things that um I just I feel like they're they're uh weak links in my armor uh early on in my career that like could have been addressed if um again if people if the dialogue was open cause, uh like we're talking about with young athletes uh there's not always as much discussion about the pressure that you're dealing with and I've had a lot of trouble with that with that pressure um and again I think that's what led me to become all encompassing of being a OCR athlete, like throughout high school, once I started on the OCR path, um, it was everything, you know, I woke up and, uh, it was like, get some food in you, go out. And I would before school, so like school started at seven 30, I'd go out and sometimes like bike for an hour, hour and a half. Then I'd go to school all day. Then I'd get out of school and go run. And it's like, awesome. You're a dedicated athlete. But then that became so encompassing that, you know, friends would invite me, to go and do uh, cool activities and stuff. I'd say, no, I have to train. And honestly, in high school, I was kind of a dick. Like <laughs> I own it, but I was just like everything. If you didn't want to come do a training activity re- with me or whatever, I unfortunately was just like, well, then I'm not, I'm going to sacrifice going and having fun because again, the pressure that I felt and perhaps internally created uh, was more overwhelming uh than like i could handle and and then it started manifesting in so many ways like um at one point i got injured and then and as all athletes do i had like a a, a trouble with food for a while you know i was skipping lunches and breakfast because i was like well if i'm injured and not training as hard you know i don't want to get fat as an athlete and that's something very hard for me to talk about because i've never publicly acknowledged that only to uh, select individuals but one as men uh you know uh eating disorders and have, I wouldn't call myself having an eating disorder, but having some issues with food, uh, are very prevalent. And then, uh, us guys, we all, you know, we can be anxious. And I think there's some, uh, there's, a uh, kind of this culture of like, men gotta be tough. Don't have those kind of things. And, and you guys have talked about it on here before we've had, you guys have had lots of guests. Um, but those are some of the things that I struggled with. And then eventually, uh, you know, I overcame that, but then, uh, again, it's anxiety and stress manifests in so many ways. And so, um, then in Colorado, uh, uh, with some of the stresses and stuff, you turn to other things to be kind of uh, a coping mechanism, uh, to cover up how you're feeling and whatnot. And all of that, uh, again, if you're not willing to talk about it with people, if you don't have a direct dialogue with people about it, and if you don't feel supported and anxious, it, it all just, oh, it just becomes a giant weight on your shoulders. You got to get those high school years back. Um, and you can, um, this may be a strange take on what you just said about that. And we can talk about eating if you would like more detail. I don't mean to brush over that, but, um, no, not at all. The best thing I'm, that happened to ears. my athletic my athletic career was going on the bachelor. I lived a life. I had gotten sick for a while after college. I didn't for three years. I had no social life in college. I was fairly regimented, let loose once in a while, but like I just decompressed and made up for years that I pushed fun away or couldn't partake in the fun, whether it was by choice or by default. And going out and living and still, I was still running and I was still doing stuff, but like my focus and my, I was invigorated by chasing girls and 
drinking till 3 a.m. and traveling around the world and damn it did that not like fill a void or a cup for me that I had no idea needed to be filled and I can move forward with a more balanced and perspective approach because I like didn't do take things so seriously I just lightened the fuck up is what I did and it was the best (laughs) damn thing that ever could have happened to me and I don't mean to be so brash but that's there's no better better way to put it and so I just think like damn like James needs to go on a few hungover runs and James needs to needs to skip a workout to do something he shouldn't. And James needs to say yes uh, more than no, um, only because I said no forever, to be honest, until I start got thrown into a situation which the only answer was yes always. And then uh, and that just did a lot for me and my growth. To be honest, I would have never imagined being here having a podcast about running and traveling around the country to race. Um, but yet, I don't know if I would have gotten here if I didn't tangent. Does that make sense at all? That makes a lot of sense. That like, and see, that's the conversation that I've been having with myself because, uh, again, I skipped. I mean, you're going to laugh at this. The first party I ever went to was after I was out of high school. Me too. I love it. and But at the same time, I don't because it's like, you know, we're so dedicated as athletes. And I love the, I, again, there's part of me that will always identify with being a regimented athlete. But at the same time, like I, it was so frustrating to me that like, and it still frustrates me when I think about like skipping out on all those fun things with friends and, and Kirk, like you're saying, like, just like saying yes, more than no. Cause like when you, when you said that, I thought, man, I've said no so many times. And I, I just wonder what kind of experiences would I have had if I'd just been willing to say, yeah. And the thing that I'm finding is like the the last couple of weeks since being home, I've been saying yes more than I've said no. Um, I'm realizing like I've just been a little more free with my time and I'm still managing to get in workouts and stuff and I'm running really well and I'm loving it. And, and perhaps my, you know, you know, I'm maybe not getting as much sleep or whatever, but I feel invigorated. I feel a lot more alive than I have felt for a very long time. And you, and you may battle with that. I, I say no way, way more often than I would like to still, like I know, and people in my life know, like I'm still, that's a work in progress for me still, but the needle has moved and it's probably not going to happen overnight for you, but just, just watch Yes Man with Jim Carrey. And I think, I think <laughs> your problems will be solved. Well, and I, I right, think you guys touch on something this, important, yes, it should, which is why do we say no? Saying no more than yes is bad when the no is controlling. When the no is because you want to say no, that's that's a freeing component to it. But it's why am I saying no? Like you look back and say, I, did, I don't think I had an eating disorder. And I'm not, I can't make a judgment on that. But there's a chance you didn't have it. You had a perfection disorder, which <laughs> is I'm going to say no to everything because I need this to happen. It didn't matter if it was food or if it was sleep or if it were friends or it doesn't matter what it is. I was going to go the wrong direction on it because I needed perfection because of what the ultimate goal is. And the old phrase is the juice worth the squeeze. (laughs) We in this sport as runners and in particular OCR seem to have an inflated vision of what the juice available is. Like if I could just be VJ, for example, VJ is arguably, 
I'd say top three most successful on this planet in our sport. If he were married with kids and with no outside support, could he support a family comfortably while saving for retirement and whatever came next off what he makes in a year? No way. It would depend where he lived. (laughs) Maybe in the middle of the Midwest, yes, but I'm going to say no. And that's solely a statement of numbers, not a shot at VJ. And he knows that, you know, he has a great setup. He has supportive people around him and he doesn't have a wife and kids, but like, what is the juice available to be squeezed? Mm-hmm. And when you reframe the juice, the squeeze becomes real easy to say, why am I saying no to something or yes? If it's reframed in, this is a serious hobby sport for me that I want to be damn good at. Then you decide why you say no. But when it's a, this is my end goal in life, the no's become mandatory. And it's really important, I think, for young athletes to really take, and it's almost impossible. They've proven that we can't even make, like our decision-making process as a male in our brain, that circuitry and the chemical balance is not complete until mid to late 20s for men. That is just scientifically proven. Mid 20s, we are not, we finally arrived at the point where we can start to make fully formed decisions without faulty reasoning. So until mid twenties, we really do have a hard time grasping like big picture on anything, but I had it, you have it. I don't know about VJ, but a lot of young athletes come in and say, my only life goal is to be pro at this. And what is the shelf life for that? And what is the juice? Like what is, what is a perfect year in OCR if you're not Ryan Atkins? Ryan has consistently been the only outlier, Ryan and Lindsay. Even John Albin doesn't make what those two make. Okay, what is available to be squeezed? That's like, and that right there is something like everybody needs to hear. Um, I was actually having a very interesting phone call about this um, with Mark Batris the other day. Mark's my run coach. And we were just talking about that. And he is, uh, he's been very supportive of my decision to kind of put OCR on the on the back burner is what I'm calling it. It's, it, you know, we're not, we're not ruling off the table anymore, but uh, it's on the back burner. You know, it's, it's there. If I need, I can move it to the front uh, for a little bit, but you know, uh, right now it's just not the greatest priority. You know, nothing's burning up. And um, we were talking about just, again, like you said, there's not, there's not as much juice there. And then, and, and there's only certain amounts of people even really getting the majority of the juice. They're like, Right now, I'm kind of fighting for a couple of drops that are, are missing the big glass, you know, to keep with your analogy. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's where kind of understanding like that I need to set myself up for a good financial future so that I could keep doing this for the passion of the sport, for for going out there to, to be excited on a start line rather than thinking, man, I really hope I have a good performance so I can make some money. Um, just because, again, there's not all that much money to be made. And that it kind of brings the point that to for most of us in OCR we're here because it's a passion you know we're we're doing this because we really and truly love it and you have to remember that that's your you have to remember that that's your fuel like cuz again then uh chasing chasing trophies and money and and uh you know accolades uh which is what I was doing uh just it doesn't pay the bills so you might as well kind of reposition what you're uh focusing on because again, if, if you're financially stable and then, and then you can put everything into your race because you're not fretting about money, you're just going to be a happier athlete. You're going to be happy to be 
experiencing that pain that we all chase. And don't any of you out there say that you're not chasing the pain. We all love that lactic burn. We all love uh, feeling like we're in a little bit over our heads, uh, you know, in that first mile of a race. Um, but you don't love that if you're, if you're, again, if you're just chasing, uh, if you're chasing money and, and notoriety, it's just, it, it's not fulfilling. At least it wasn't for me. Maybe for some out there it is, and I'm not going to discount that, but I found it overwhelmingly, like from talking to people and it looking myself, if, if you're just chasing like material things and not the passion, you're not, you're just not going to be, you're not going to be there. You'll be there physically, but you're not mentally going to be there. You're going to be somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I wanted to, um, you touch on just something and it was a concern of mine actually going into this conversation. It was, um, I knew that Bracken and I both wanted to give you the advice of like, don't throw in the towel. So, so permanently, um, so to speak. Uh, and, and that's the sentiment that I think a lot of people have probably shared with you, not just, not just us, of course, I'm sure people came out of the woodwork in that regard, but, um, I wanted to make sure, like, is it, is it something that you, you do want instead of now getting, you know, people are supporting you now and saying, Hey, we get it. But like, we'd also like to see you stay right. Like, I'm sure you've had that conversation with a number of people, mm -hmm. but I don't want to discredit the fact, like, what does James want? Right. Like, and maybe you don't know right now, and that's that's okay, of course, because you're getting clarity as you go through life now. But, like, does does James want that? Do you think that's a healthy thing for James to ever have, um, knowing your tendencies? And can you be reframed with your mindset? Like, I'm just like, like, yes, we're telling you not to throw in the towel, but do you, does that feel right? Like, does that feel right, or does it not? I guess I just wanted to, like, open up that part of the conversation. Well, that, again, another great question. It's like, I swear, Kirk, you're like in my head because you're you're picking out all the things that I've I've been asking myself. And initially, we, we got a thing, James. We got a we got a better we got a better thing than you Bracken have, and everybody knows it. <laughs> have you two met in real life? <laughs> we have, we have. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we have. Yeah. So you absolutely have. We we've never even officially met. I know we we've got to. Uh, what. Uh, totally side tangent um do you have any upcoming spartans or anything where we might uh cross paths deca chicago a couple midwest spartans notre dame stadium okay it doesn't sound like it i'm not traveling much drivable only i get you man i'm not i'm not traveling much either again uh it's a uh, bank account's a little sparse these days but um anyways we will we will eventually uh cross paths and uh meet face to face um mm -hmm. it's crazy because i it's I know I'm going on on a tangent, but it's wild because I feel like I know you from listening to the running public and uh, from like watching your career and stuff. It's very it's very strange. Like we've never met, but again, I feel like I know you, so it's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I get it. I'm sure you get that a lot from a lot of different guests and stuff. Just like being like, yeah, I've listened to all the episodes and all that, and it's 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 pretty cool because it's like you guys have created this unique connection, which. Uh, for a lot of us, I mean, it's, it's very important. You guys have gotten me through a lot of, lot of long runs. <laughs> <laughs> I like hearing that. Makes me very happy in person. I feel like when, when we, uh, when we meet people at, at races, they, they share the same sentiment about feeling like they know, know you. It's it's a nice, it's a nice feeling. Yes. And you guys look oddly similar today with your buzz cut, James. I wanted to ask why you got rid oh. of long hair. I, I actually made an appointment <laughs> for a haircut, uh, last Friday, and ended up, uh, what the heck, ended up doing other stuff, ended up doing landscaping and got real caught up and just like 
canceled the appointment. So I'm almost joining the bald head club here. You never know. I don't know how drastic Ooh. I'm going to go, but it, hey, man, it's uh, I kind of I kind of say it's worth it. Um, to answer your question, and then I'll get back to your main question. Uh, initially, I cut my hair slightly shorter for a prospective job in Colorado. Um, and then that didn't exactly play out a whole lot of drama there that personally, I don't want to go into. It's like, it's behind me, whatever. And so then, um, I was just, I don't know. I just, uh, it was at this really funky length and I just could not for the life of me deal with it any longer. So I was like, all right, we are just getting rid of it. And, and maybe, you know, uh, it coincided with, uh, being pretty stressed about some of the life changes I was having and stuff. So, you know, maybe, I, maybe it was my Brittany moment, you know, just cutting it and i mean it was i think more like um have you ever watched breaking bad either of you yes sir great show one of my favorites yeah it's like it's like when he decides to shave his head and suddenly he's a new he's got a whole new vibe going like he's it's a it's a new page maybe there's something there what time of day did you make the decision to buzz it all off um, it was about midday. It wasn't like super late at night or early morning. It was like midday. Okay. <laughs> what about you? Brackett? I feel that's oh. rare. My, I, <laughs> I buzz it off at like 10 PM the first time I was just, just sick of it. And it went, mine'll be in the morning because every morning I wake up and I look at myself in the mirror and I think, Kirk, you can do better. <laughs> Every morning I think that. So mine will be like 5.30 in the morning. It's just going to go one day, in case you're wondering. Well, hey, you got to keep us in the loop on that. And, uh, you know, if, if I could grow a little bit better stash and beard, I'd almost be rocking the, the whole Heisenberg look. And, you know, think what you want about it, but I think it'd be kind of kind of fun. I promise though, I'm not doing any legal activities. I'm not. That's not my thing. So just the good put luck. it out there. There's time. <laughs> Well, now let's give you the floor about uh, about answering it. But what James wants here? What uh, what, what does J- what does James want? It's not an easy question to answer. But just to make sure we're not forcing anything down your throat or people who are reaching out, because you'll probably get some people reaching out after this. Make sure they don't shove anything down your throat either. If that makes sense. Absolutely. And um, yeah, this was one of the main points I was uh, I've been thinking about because, and I and again for all the supportive comments I got. Thank you, everybody, so much. Um, and then I got some private DMs and stuff saying, like, don't quit the sport. And I got a couple comments that were, like, uh, kind of like, oh, man, like, we really want you to stay in it and stuff like that. And initially, I met those with a little bit of hostility, which I think is probably a pretty normal response from, like, you know, making such a big pendulum shift and then having people oppose it. And it's, it's again, it's also a very youthful response because, you know, in, in my own head, a lot of the time I'm right, but that's it. But then I go and I think about it. I'm like, oh, I can think about other perspectives. Um, and I definitely don't want OCR to be completely gone from my life. Like I, as much, like I tried not caring completely about OCR for like a couple of days and it just, it, I, it didn't sit well with me. Like, it's like one, I have unfinished business. I absolutely have unfinished business in the sport, but it's adjusting my timeline Two, I like adventuring. I love running in the mountains. I, it, it makes, you know, it's my, it's my meditation, if you will. It's for me, it's like going and training is so, so important in my life. I mean, I don't, I don't know how I'd function without it. You know, keeps me level, keeps me from going crazy. And with that, it's like, I want to do something with it because goal-driven training is, uh, it, 
it helps you to push a little bit harder when things get tough. Um, and it's just, yeah, I, I can't see myself leaving it because also I have so many friends in OCR. And uh, I mean, heck, I consider most most people that I end up having like really good relationships with like family. So it's like, I'm not going to leave that behind completely. Um, but it's just, I think what I want is to live a more well-rounded uh, example of that. So maybe not um, completely like, I don't think I'm going to chase the series again for a while. I think I'm just going to chase races that excite me, do things um, that really excite me. Like I remember um, you put out your post a couple of days ago, Kirk, about being, uh, you're having trouble deciding what to do. It was like, what does Kirk mm -hmm. want? And mm -hmm. um, I just said, Hey man, follow your heart. And I felt like at first that was kind of a cheap answer. And I, but then I realized like what a place of depth that that came from. Cause it's the same advice I'd give myself. I was like, what is going to make it so that like I'm excited about this, whatever goal I pick next, what is going to keep me excited? What's going to keep me excited on a start line? What's going to keep me excited through the whole experience. And so I'm going to be chasing stuff that makes me feel alive, stuff that challenges me. Um, and, uh, and chasing some new experiences, um, to also, again, help me understand more of who is James Nair, because like, I, uh, I feel like I, I'm kind of repeating some ideas, but I'm elaborating more each time. Um, one of the things that made me like that, that was very definitive about who I was, um, was then in high school, once I became like James Nair Spartan racer. That like became my identity. You know how in high school everybody has their their shtick or their or their nickname or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. Because I was the Spartan guy, I like people called my nickname in a lot of classes was just Spartan. Like that was that was my identity and why it became so much of uh, of an identity for me. So I got again super wrapped up um, in that, and so. Uh, just, I want to go do things that help me explore, uh, really and truly who, uh, who I, who I am. Um, I'm actually kind of, it's just going to sound crazy. I'm entertaining the idea of jumping into an ultra at some point just to see, can I go the distance? What am I like? What am I made of? Like how, how tough are you? And, and I know it doesn't fit with any of the stuff we were talking about with progression, but it just the idea of going and being in the mountains for hours and doing something that's going to be so brutally taxing makes me excited. Like, you know, when you get that whole body, like shivery feeling, and you're just so excited. That's how I feel about, uh, about possibly just jumping into a random ultra, um, and just seeing like, okay, can we, can we make it, you know, do you have the mental grit to, uh, do that? Like, are you as tough as you've always, uh, tried to make yourself seem. So um, just doing stuff like that. And like, I'm really excited to come to Big Bear. Um, I made a spur of the moment decision the other day. Uh, I'm gonna race both days. I'm not, again, not prioritizing performance, but I'm gonna race uh, that beast on Saturday. And then I'm gonna race the uh, super on Sunday. I'm gonna be absolutely destroyed. And um, I'm just really excited though, because it's two days running around the mountains with my friends. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. So I'm just going to chase things that make me feel excited, make my heart full, um, you know, make me a little bit giddy, you know, like just, that's, uh, that's what I want. That's, a, that's exactly what you should do um, without question. And that'll, that'll, it'll all come back to where you should end up anyways, eventually, whether it's this year or it's when you're 30, it'll all, you'll, all, you'll end up where you should be no matter what I feel like. And 
that that answer you gave me about do what your heart wants like that is that is one of depth but it's also um you know that's not an easy question to answer obviously you're trying to answer yeah. that yourself <laughs> right like of course it's and I, and i also share your sentiment i got oh i don't know 100 or so people chimed in on my like waffling over what to do which is very very nice and i expected the answers i got for the most part but a lot of people still give you recommendations for their own selfish reasons. Like they selfishly want to see you in the sport and see it through. They selfishly think you have potential mm -hmm. or unfinished business. It's very supportive. Don't get me wrong, but you know, we have a very OCR biased audience group and most people told me I had unfinished business in the national series and that's what I should do. And now I feel a pull to do that to please other people. And that's not good mm -hmm. necessarily. And so People are saying the obvious answer is to go pursue the series and then do your, what your other things later. But I don't think you should make any decisions to please other people. And if Bracken and I may just say, screw Big Bear and go do whatever the heck I want right now. I don't know. It's still it's tough because you want to please people. You want to make people happy. But like as long as like, you know, you're not succumbing to that with people being like, screw it, still do the series. You're just in a funk. Like, I don't know. You just be selfish as hell. That's what I think. And it'll all come back around. And by doing that, you'll be able to give more to other people eventually anyways. And that's kind of what I intend to do. Um, and uh, it's like, in a sense, I've had to reframe my mindset because I know I'm a people pleaser. I don't like it when people are mad at me. I don't want people to be disappointed, all that kind of stuff. But right now, I, and this is going to sound really selfish, and I hope I don't ruffle any feathers with this, but I don't, I shouldn't say I don't care, but the, the best way I can say this, I don't care uh, too much about other people's uh, selfish intentions for wanting me to stay in the sport. Uh, I care more about developing myself as a person and making myself happy because again, really since about, I would say like uh, that race in Montana last year uh, or not last year, gosh, that was uh, 2021. Yeah. So, uh, I haven't been excited to be on a start line. I haven't been even happy to be there. It's just like, it's like, fuck, I got to race again. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to do this. So selfishly, I'm just going to do. We've all been there, haven't we, Bracken? <laughs> so selfishly, I'm just going to do what I, uh, I want to do for a while um, and prioritize James. You know, I'm going to prioritize developing myself, uh, furthering relationships, uh, doing, you know, going and doing some crazy stuff. Like you said, continuing to say, or starting to, uh, say yes. Um, continue that like small trend I've started, um, start, uh, and just like, and this isn't to discount. Cause I know there's some comments that were like, you know, it seems like you're just having feelings, uh, about, uh, like being in a tough time and stuff. And the thing is, is again, these are not feelings that are, have been short, uh, like short term. I mean, I've been feeling these for over a year and it just, it, if something sticks with you that long, like it's something that has to be addressed. And so it, and it's not to say it's a lack of motivation or discipline. It's just, it's a change in priorities. And the other thing is um, I think a lot of, and again, I hope I don't ruffle feathers with this, but I think some of the perspectives of like, don't leave the sport. These are just feelings and blah, blah, blah is again, Everyone who said that I think has been through what you guys were talking about, the uh, the uh, having quit a sport before or or they're at a place in their life where 
they are stable uh, in other in almost every other aspect of their life. So then they uh, are able to uh, put more energy towards racing and towards the community and and towards you know uh, training and all that. And it's kind of like I think just with my change of priorities and stuff, I'm realizing I only have so much energy to direct at different things. Um, and so I think there should be, a, or, or I'd like some understanding in that. And that's like, again, I'm not, I'm not leaving forever, but like, it's just, it's, uh, I only have so much energy to direct towards it. And I want to direct my energies in, into some other things so that I can continue doing this. Cause also if, if I continue, let's say I'd stayed in Colorado and continued chasing being a, a pro CR athlete and just kept having worse and worse results it just becomes that much harder and probably the pendulum would have been swinging even further so uh right now i think like um uh with the guidance and insight from you guys and from friends and family um i th i think i'm on a, a a decent path of again prioritizing um what i want to do and, I, and i'd like to see that from a lot of people i know a lot of people get caught up in the spartan culture of like training and racing is everything get to as many races as you can and don't get me wrong i'm so motivated when i see cool posts and see people on podiums and see people doing obstacles but i'd also like to see in my instagram feed like you know you going and hanging with your family or or going on a crazy adventure or, or doing something different so like my this is kind of my call to action to other people like hey yes i love your spartan content but go do some other stuff. Like if you feel like you're stuck in this world of, of training and performance only go do some other stuff. Cause it's really freaking cool. And, uh, even that stuff is motivating to see because it also tells me you're human. So I don't know if that made sense. Again, I, I tend to ramble, but, um, I feel like I had a couple decent points in there. I don't know. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, you just got out of a serious relationship. Sometimes you have to date a few people casually to find out what you even like. You, know, you said, I want to try an ultra. That excites me. I want, you're, you're, you're starting to see other personality types out there. And generally, when people in any endurance sport, it doesn't work with skill sports, but in endurance sports, when they try their hand at something else, they come back, if they come back to their original sport, they come back with a, a, a well-rounded, a more advanced skill set. You know, what? Like, even look at Mark Botcher's. Last year, he really expanded into the ultra world and he came back this year and he was even better at 30 minute races. You know, his state power appeared to be improved and it can't be coincidence that he does some 12 and 24 hour races and now his 40 minute races, he doesn't drop off in the last, in the second half of a race. And John Albin prioritized some, some skiing and he came back with power and, you see these people when they when they go and they try another sport and train it, A, it refreshes their soul, but B, they come back better. Because when you get too into that prepare race, prepare race, prepare race, maybe you remember to sprinkle some recovery in there. There's only so many skills you can address at once. And usually the one that is adjacent to your race gets left off. But pursuing that adjacent pursuit Sometimes you find your true calling, but oftentimes you just come back a year later and you're just better. Mm -hmm. And and I've thought about that, and it's it's like it's something that I'm excited by. Um, just the idea that oh maybe like you know I do some ultras or just do like there's also some cool runs around Lake Tahoe. They're like they wouldn't be designated races or ultras, but uh, again Lake Tahoe is like t a 20 minute drive away from me, so you have the whole TRT at your disposal. 
And there's some big sections of it that I just want to run so much. And so like, I want to go do those kind of things. And I know it's going to help because it's, uh, again, it's like, like you said, my staying power will probably uh, get better. Um, And so it's like, I just feel like uh, you brought up an interesting point about saying like, you know, leaving something, you know, like looking at that different personality type, it can also make you uh, appreciate um, what you have. So like one of the best ways I can chalk it up, Colorado was epic. The trails are amazing. Um, absolutely beautiful. But also uh, it made me, being away from home, made me appreciate uh, the area that I live so much more. So now being back here and seeing my local mountains and being on all my local trails, it's it's just, it's mind blowing and overwhelming. And I'm so grateful and appreciative of running every day. Um, and so I'm, I also think like venturing away from OCR, venturing away from my norm might give me a greater appreciation and kind of revive that fire and passion for the sport. So I think that's uh that's another reason to chase that. Um, really side question. I want to interject way out of place. And then I want to continue with you, what you're talking yeah. about. And I just been meaning to ask it and I might as well ask it now. Um, one, did you participate in high school cross country and track while doing Spartan? And then two, what were like, what kind of running times were you putting out? And then I want to ask you more about this all, but I just need to know those things for some reason right now. Yeah. What are they? Absolutely. So, um, yeah, so I was, uh, gosh, this is kind of an interesting story in itself. We might go down the rabbit hole here. So, um, I started like my running career with middle school track and field and you guys would never guess. Uh, uh what do you guys think my events were in track and field? 300 hurdles and, I would say 200, 400. I'm going to go hurdles and high jump. So, uh, Kirk, I hate to disappoint. However, uh, Bracken, you pretty much hit the nail on the head. Uh, with uh, So my my events in track and field were, um, it started 100, 200. I wasn't that great at the 100, but I liked it because it was short. And so it was like, it's just a fun event to tack on there. But um, I was like, I really had like uh, speed in the 200 and 400. Um, and then I moved, uh, uh, up to high school and I was, a uh, 200, 400, four by four and four by two, um, athlete. And I love those events, especially the relays. Um, those are like, oh gosh, this so much fun. You guys like know the dynamic. It's, it's so chaotic and everybody's screaming at you to run faster. And it, anyways, I'm, I'm going down memory lane here. Um, so, uh, and like I was running, uh, in the 400, I was running about a, a 52 second, uh, 400 as a freshman in high school. Fast. Um, kind of, I kind of wish I'd stuck with it a little longer. Cause, um, I actually quit track and field after my freshman year and I hate to say it, but it was because of the coaches. They were just so terrible. And, um, they oftentimes would give seniors like priority just, uh, in, in varsity meets. And I was like, yo, if you put me in, like. Like they would, uh, they would take away the opportunities for me to be like in the, uh, varsity four by four, uh, at, at meets and stuff. And they deprived me of some opportunities. So I was like, you know what? I was like, I don't want to do this. Uh, I was like, I don't want to be around if the coaches are going to pull this kind of crap, you know, just given seniority just for the sake of it. So I pulled the plug on track and field next season. I got into cross country and I had probably the greatest coach, uh, in terms of like just turning out amazing human beings uh so jay fry if you're listening i'm a, i'm eternally grateful um but uh i was not a great cross-country runner like the best i did was i 
if I'm remembering, like high 17s in high school. Um, so as a, a sophomore, high 17s um, at like at my best, uh, I don't remember a specific time. Um, and I ran uh, cross country my sophomore year and I ran it for uh, about half the my junior year season. Um, and then uh, Rob Killian actually contacted me and he's like, hey, I see you're an OCR. Are you looking for an OCR coach? And I was like, okay, sure. Like, I didn't really even know, like, I'd never had like a private coach before or anything. So I was like, all right, I'll, I'll jump on this. So I literally uh, said, sure, Rob, I'll, I'll let you coach me. And then that day I walked in, I, uh, I quit cross country. Uh, and then that, that thanks <laughs> Killian, <laughs> Robert, I'm sorry. I feel terrible about how I did it. <laughs> well, this is painting a picture about how all in you were from like such a young age. I get like the identity thing. My goodness. Um, I'm going to let, yeah. Okay. And then you went all in and then you didn't compete for your high school and in, in track or cross country again. Correct. Cause then I, uh, uh okay. cause that December I got my, I jumped on my first Spartan podium and I accepted the prize money. So now I'm like ineligible for, uh, like college sports, apparently. Uh, I don't know the specifics of how that whole world works, but apparently you're not allowed to accept prize money and other things and then uh, go and compete in like high school and college sports. So I was like, okay, whatever, uh, we're all in. Um, and then to make the picture even more interesting about how all in I was, my senior year, I actually didn't attend a uh, regular high school. One, I just didn't like being in classrooms. I just like, I, I hated being stuck in a chair all day. So I just did my classes online. Uh, and so basically every morning I'd get up, I'd get through my schoolwork in like two, three hours. And then I'd just go play in the mountains all day. <laughs> and uh, it was pretty awesome, to be honest. Like I had a great time because I, I didn't waste a bunch of time being stuck inside. Uh, but again, I wish I'd gotten to partake in some senior uh, activities. Um, fun fact about me that everyone's going to make fun of me for. I never, ever went through my entire high school career, never uh, went to any like the dances or any of the social events or anything. Cause I was just so all in about sports. I like just did not all that stuff. I was like, uh, uh, that's not my scene. I'm like, I'm out here crushing miles and workouts and, uh, regret it immensely. Uh, I actually had, uh, you're gonna, you guys are laugh at this. Uh, I had one of the prettiest girls I've ever seen ask me to go to prom with her. And I turned her down cause that it coincided with one of our race weekends <laughs> yeah. and I, I that haunts you need to call day. her back up and get out of your system that takes you right up this i'll tell you what this is explaining a lot i feel like and i don't want to dwell on this all but this is just it's painting a picture normally see normally we go and we do your backstory and and we want to get to know you from the start but this is such a unique conversation that we wanted to just smack mm -hmm. right away that um we probably should have done this our traditional way but um these little nuggets are actually really good I don't want to, I don't want to completely retract though. So I'm going to try to get us back on track because this is my fault. That's bad podcast hosting. That's okay. I'm enjoying it. Switching gears. Um, is, and Bracken, I think you probably cool moving on to this is like, so what does this look like moving forward for you then? Um, mm -hmm. what, what does this look like moving forward? How have you like outlined, um, let's say the next year in your head, if you have it all? Yeah, um, actually, uh, this is this is great because I kind of have a half patch together plan. Um, first and foremost, so we got Big Bear on the horizon. So come out to Big Bear. And again, I'm just putting this out there for everyone. Please don't ask me how I intend to do like 
I don't intend to do anything with it. I'm out there to have a good time. I'm out there to enjoy racing. So like, even if your heart's in the right place, I just want to hear like, Hey, good to see you. Let's go have some fun. Um, so moving on from that. So we got big bear on the horizon. And then from there this fall, I will start, uh, college classes. So, um, I'll be doing that, uh, working, uh, I've got, a couple different jobs I'm doing right now just to make ends meet, pay for the things. I have a pretty expensive truck payment that everybody hassles me over. They're like, Oh, such an irresponsible thing to do as a young man. But, uh, what are your jobs? Uh, so I work as a part-time carpet cleaner, uh, went back to doing that. And then I work for my cousins as well, um, at their, uh, so they own, uh, two businesses in Virginia city. Initially I thought, uh, I'd be working at, uh, their restaurant, but, uh, they had my needs elsewhere. So I will be working part-time as a candy cook, believe it or not. So I'll be, I know very, very different ends of the spectrum. Um, but, uh, I will, uh, so I'm undergoing the training for all that right now. Um, but it's like cooking brittle and caramel. It's, uh, it's actually the oldest running, uh, candy store in all of Nevada. So, but I'm going to give them a quick shout out. If you're in the Virginia city area, come check out Rant, uh, reds, uh, old fashioned candies. It's awesome. You'll see me there. It'll be fun. Um, and what kind of truck do you have? I have a, I have a 2020, uh, Ford Ranger. Oh yeah. I went, and this, this is, this is what everybody laughs at. When I got it off the lot, it was, it only had, I don't even think it had 30 miles on it yet. It, like it was brand spanking new. Um, but, uh, at that time I was personal training and I was making, uh, more money than I had business making and, uh, and it was being a little reckless with it. So here we are. <laughs> well, they can't keep the Rangers on the lot now. You could probably flip it for a profit. I've been considering that. Have you ever bought a new car, Bracken? And how old were you when you bought a new car? No. Never bought a new one? No, Lisa bought a new uh, TDI Jetta when we were younger, but I've I've stuck to used. Well, yeah, I think you're, you're probably, that's probably the youngest new car owner I know, unless, you know, daddy bought it for him. I, it took me till I was, my well, recent sir, truck is the I first think... new car I bought in 2018. I was 36. <laughs> I think 35. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it hurts when your truck payment is higher than your rent. That hurts. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah. It, but all I'll say is to avoid disclosing how much to pay, but I'm currently <laughs> actually waiting for the bumper to be replaced. We don't five care. days into being home. I got rear ended. So, uh, that's on the back burner for a little bit. Cause I have to, I have to get that, uh, replaced now. So what are you going to do? <laughs> um, Sorry, where was I? I totally lost my <laughs> life. Does not care at all. Uh, that was life doesn't care. Yes, that's right. <laughs> so you're talking about work. You're working, which I respect. By the way, those I respect the heck out of you putting time and working those jobs. Um, and then you said you're going to enroll in college, which obviously we strongly approve of. I would assume. Yes. So, um, so yeah. So from there. That's right. And we were painting out the year. Sorry, I totally got sidetracked about, I was thinking about my truck and then I got like all mad again for getting rear-ended. Um, anyways, uh, so after uh, I'll enroll in classes and then if I can, maybe squeeze in some races. Uh, I've been uh, debating getting on the wait list for the uh, TRT 55K, which is in July. So I'd have some prep time for it. Um, 
So I think I'm honestly probably once we get done here today, I'll probably just go uh, get myself on that wait list because there that one always has like dropouts and uh, so a lot of times people just jump on that if it's full and then uh, spots will open up. Um, so I'm thinking about doing that. Uh, You're 20 minutes from Lake Tahoe. Yeah, it's pretty freaking dope. <laughs> it's it's stellar training grounds. What elevation do you live at? Um, we're only uh, so I live in a small town called Gardnerville. So we're about 4,600 feet here. Um, and then, so I drive up Kingsbury grade, gain a couple thousand feet, and then, you know, I'm training at like seven, 8,000 feet. So it's a pretty sweet deal. It is. That's the perfect setup. Yeah. it's. I assumed you were much lower than that in the beginning of our conversation. Good on you. I've lived at altitude. I've lived at sea level. I've come to the conclusion that the sweet spot for training, unless you just want to be born at altitude and stay there your whole life is live relatively low with access to relatively high close by. Mm -hmm. It sounds like you have that. Yeah, I do. And it's, I'm very privileged for it. I didn't realize like how dope of a setup it is. But then uh, after talking to so many different athletes, I'm like, wow, I really live in a phenomenal place in terms of training. And it's like, and the great thing is uh, since I live in a Valley during the winter, I have all the trails in the Valley to run because we don't get a lot of snow down here. And then all summer long, it's just, you know, like Tahoe bliss. You just like running like hundreds of miles of trail. And uh, it's also, it's, it's really nice because they keep the trails really well maintained. So there's lots of like, I like to call it glorious single track that is just like super great for running fast and you don't see anybody out there. It's, it's perfect. It's like its own little thing. Um, but yeah. So uh, going back on the tangent though, of like what I plan for the year is just really a, uh, uh making money, uh, get my education on, uh, continuing to run, um, maybe hop in some races, uh, maybe prioritize going and doing some crazy things, some camping trips with buddies, um, all that kind of stuff. So that's, uh, other than that, no real, no real giant priorities. So you said you're working with Mark with his coaching service. How do you, how have you two gone about setting up training now? with the removal of the OCR season goals, are you focusing on just a global goal of fitness or are you keeping some sort of specificity in order to keep your, your training on track? Yeah. Um, this was actually, this is kind of what our, our uh, conversation had pertained to the other day. Oh, it's just kind of how we were going to structure things. Um, and, uh, we're just, first off, we're just lowering volume just to like, give me a little more flexibility about getting in mileage. Um, and then, uh, just overall working on some speed development just for the sake of keeping that skill set there. So I've got, I still got two intensity sessions per week, but, uh, nothing super, uh, nothing super specific in terms of catering towards any kind of, uh, major goal. Um, and then just basically if any races pop up that I want to do, uh, I'll say, Hey, uh, thinking about jumping into this throw a couple tune-up workouts in there maybe a couple specific things but uh mm -hmm. again not putting pressure uh surrounding anything you know if i have a busy work day uh or if i have a day where i'm just like absolutely destroyed i'm listening to my life stressors and saying hey if i feel so like crappy that i feel like a workout will be detrimental i'm not gonna do it and i think it's a or i'll like shift it today or you know just uh basically becoming a lot more flexible in my scheduling mm -hmm. Um, dropping back volume and uh, just allowing the freedom of like, Hey, if, uh, if you're feeling good that day and you want to go do a big run in the mountains or you want to do like, just 
putting no real, uh, no super strict guide rails on it, um, which is, I think, again, uh, from everything, you know, this is very therapeutic and very self uh, conversation I'm having here, but um, it's helping me realize right now, I don't need, uh, I don't need pressure and like guide rails. I need to be able to like be over here and be over here and this be kind of crazy with uh, some of the stuff I'm doing. Mm-hmm. It's funny, Bracken, that you asked that question because that was the fir- the next one I was uh, I was going to ask, and I was going to follow that up with like, listen, we're coaches ourselves, but like, do you, do you think it's smart to have a coach right now? And, and I sorry, Mark. <laughs> no, and I, I no, I'm not. I, Mark understands where I'm coming from. There, I'm a coach myself, and I would I would ask you that as my athlete. I'd be like, is it even smart to have one right now if you don't want guide? guidelines so to speak i don't know it's worth it's a worthwhile conversation isn't it yeah it's an honest conversation yeah maybe you don't want to have that one on here i don't know but (laughs) well um i'm again this is my like i'm bearing all and i again if people want to reach out regarding all this stuff i'm i'm this is like a i think a great opportunity for again people get to know me and for me to be very transparent there was a couple days where i even considered and mark i know you listen as well so like don't take it the wrong way but there was a couple days where i considered do i want to coach right now or do i just want to completely remove myself from everything and the thing is is mark is more than just a coach mark is a friend and he's a mentor and again the other day when we had our call about how we're going to structure things we probably spent a good 30 minutes just talking uh just like he just spent like 30 minutes like giving me a lot of really great advice um and that in itself is just it's invaluable you can't put a price on it and so in that it's just mark somebody i want i want to be in my corner to that i can call that i can talk to um and just give me really good i mean he's somebody i regard as a really good friend um and he's just somebody i i just i couldn't i couldn't just like i couldn't cut everything out it's like kind of going back to the idea of like what do I want? I do want to be involved in OCR. I want to be a part of this community. Everybody means so much to me. Cause I mean, it, it, I know a lot of people like there haven't been too many people that have grown up in the sport of OCR and uh, BJ is kind of the poster child for growing up in OCR, but I've grown up uh, watching the sport being a part of it. And so it's like, I want to stay a part of it. And so keeping the people around, not writing them off or, or, uh, or just saying, all right, I'm done with this. I'm done with you all. Like that would just be, I couldn't do it because I'm, I love it so much. And so uh, I think it's smart to have, uh, I, I look at Mark as uh, a mentor and like a, almost a life coach even, cause he's just given me some really great insight throughout uh, the last couple of years, whenever I've needed it. So to answer your question, uh, I'm keeping Mark as my coach and I just, I can't say enough good things about the guy. He's just, phenomenal coach, but even more phenomenal human being. That's what I love to hear. And it's, I mean, this, this episode will hit different people differently, Mm -hmm. but that's what the prospective coach needs to hear, which is there's a difference between writing programming and coaching where a coach is useful. Even if you're not working out, whereas someone who can write your training is a tool to, to use for the job. So I like hearing that. Yeah. it's And uh, I, a quick side tangent here with that. Um, I really owe a lot to my uh, high school cross country coach. Cause I don't think I would have ever gotten into uh, distance or Spartan race without his uh, influence in turning out good people. And, um, uh, and that's kind of what has uh, 
helped me to like predicate like my decision making in uh, like who I choose to coach me and stuff has always been like the uh, the example was my high school cross country coach. Um, like I said earlier, a guy by the name of Jay Fry, and uh, he was just he was he was never concerned with how fast we were running. Like or he was, but like that wasn't the primary goal. He was like, yes, I want you to run fast and I want you to follow the workouts, but his his big thing on philosophy is like, I want you guys to grow as human beings. I want you to uh, experience life. I want you to be kind to other people. I want you to be helpful. And I want you to do things that make your heart full. And so that then led me to like every coach that I've had. And I've only had uh, three coaches like in my life that I really consider to be like super impactful. Um, that, that was the blueprint, uh, that made me realize like a coach is, and I'm grateful for having this early on a coach for me is not just somebody that, uh, you know, that I wanted to like, tell me just how to get faster, you know, like there's lots of people that can do that, but I want, I found like, I wanted somebody to be there that I could just say, Hey, like this block of training is rough and my headspace isn't right. Can we just talk about that? Or like, you know, I'm just having difficulties as a human being about how I'm feeling. And so that, um, you know, like, uh, uh, when, uh, Rob was coaching me, we'd have like monthly calls. And a lot of the times we just talk about life, what was going on, how we were feeling about things. And then, um, with Mark, it's, uh, that, but on an even greater level. Cause again, we've developed into really good friends and it's just like, I think that's, that's the biggest thing is like developing that human connection. I know some people's goals are very sports specific they just are out here for wanting to run faster they're out here looking for performance only and i totally get that and respect it but i think for the majority of people having a coach you can trust and confide in uh, about things other than just athletics is it's super integral and from everybody uh, i know uh, uh, some of your guys as athletes and from everything i hear those are the kind of coaches that you guys are and it just it warms my heart to know that, to like, know, like, that's the, that's the culture and community we're creating. And so <laughs> it's just, it's creating better humans and I'm all for that. Yeah. The, uh, the smallest amount of, the smallest amount of coaching is the workouts themselves. It really is. I think, I mean, they got to be there of course, but, uh, yeah, it's not what makes a good one. Not at all. Um, Bracken, I got about four minute timestamp here. Um, but you don't know. So how do you want to wrap this thing up, brother? I kind of want to open it back up to James. He seems to have some, some, it's funny that I reached out cause I thought there's a lack of clarity. It seems like he has a lot of clarity on a lot of these topics. And I know that coming in, you certainly had some, some agenda points that you wanted to hit. So if we have four minutes left, like we have, we have a few minutes for you to, to get the things out that you still think people need to hear today. Gosh, so much pressure. Um, no, it's uh, one. Uh, yes, I, ha- I definitely had like a lot of the points that I wanted to talk about today. Um, and I've gotten to say uh, most of them. So thank you guys for giving me a platform to like clarify. Um, and I have some things figured out and there's a lot that I don't. But uh, some of the biggest closing statements that I just like to put out there to other young athletes is one, love your sport and be ingrained in it, but don't make it everything. Make sure to uh, be grateful to the people around you that are supporting you and loving you. Um, and just follow your heart in terms of do the stuff that, that makes you feel fulfilled, the make, stuff that makes you feel excited. And it's okay to change. Like I was really afraid for a long time to be willing to change as a person, as an athlete. And, um, 
it's okay because it's going to help you grow as a human me a human being it's okay to fail uh it's okay to not always achieve your goals and i'm not saying i'm not saying slack off but it's okay to to become to be an ever evolving human being i feel like if you've stagnated in any way shape or form uh whether it's as a human an athlete whatever it is emotionally whatever allowing giving yourself some grace and allowing yourself to uh to go on to that next chapter of your life is important because uh, a big chapter in my life only prioritizing athletics lasted a lot longer than it should have and it became very detrimental to me and uh so i just think uh allowing yourself to do different things explore different avenues uh and all that kind of stuff interpret as you will but um go do that uh uh, don't get locked into any one idea of how you should be. Uh, just kind of go with the flow and see uh, uh, how you're developing as th as life plays out, and um, I guess react accordingly. Uh, and you know, don't let the pendulum swing too far because uh, then you make bold statements like I did that uh, throw people for a loop and go like, "What?" But um, just honestly, just go out there and be the best human being that you can be. Like. Just that, that really is my biggest message. Just go be the best human being, best version of yourself that you can be. And nobody else can ask more of you than that. There's going to be a handful of people that, that need to hear this podcast today. I think about uh, maybe preventing those mistakes or being aware of them before they happen. So appreciate your openness. What I, what I would like to see from you is uh, when I pull up your Instagram, it's not all going to be running photos moving forward. I'd like to see those adventures you were telling me about. Yes, sir. I want to see that candy you're making. Yes, sir. I want to see that then stuff. Then it shall happen. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> oh, Proofs absolutely. And that's the thing I also yes. wanted to open the door for is, um, and I know we're short on time, so I'll make it quick. Reach out like anybody, and it doesn't necessarily have to be me, but reach out regard to people regarding whatever you're thinking. Um, and, you know, hold me accountable to like what I'm saying. Don't let me continue to have just put up a athlete profile on Instagram, you know, ask me about other things I'm doing. Um, and, you know, everybody else like show the other stuff that you're doing. I want, I want to see other people's uh, whole life or not whole life, but like other aspects of their life. Um, and then for those that are struggling in any way with anything, uh, pressure, performance, anxiety, stress, all that kind of stuff, reach out to somebody. Cause that's like, you know, I've reached out to you guys about things and uh, I've reached out to other people and it's the best thing you can do. So getting perspective, uh, don't be afraid to be vulnerable. That's uh, another really big thing. I just want to say uh, sometimes bearing your all is the best thing you can do. And uh, it gives you a lot of clarity and it's a big weight off your shoulders. Like a lot of the things I've gotten to say, my shoulders feel noticeably lighter today. So um, other than that, I don't really have any closing statements, but again, just thank you guys for having me on here. Um, I hope that today, uh, I hope that it helps somebody somewhere. So um, just again, big thank you and shout out to everyone and everything. And uh, I hope people find this helpful. Well, James, I'm looking forward to part two, part three of this. You're 20. You've got 20 more years before you have to start getting slower. There's a lot of time for us to look back and laugh at our previous conversations in here. So stay on it. And we'll see you soon. All right. I'll see you guys soon. All right. Thanks, James. You bet.